Welcome to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger, and I'm joined today by Adam Levitan of Establish the Run. And this is actually very cool for me because Adam is was my first guest this summer on Press Coverage, and we've been rolling you know, every week during the summer. We had a couple times with multiple guests, but uh, it's very cool to have Adam back on. If you follow fantasy football, if you're active in you know fantasy Twitter, reading articles, you're definitely following Adam Levitan. Uh, you guys have built like a behemoth over at Establish the Run. A lot of respect for what you guys have put together. We've had a lot of, you know, Establish the Run content creators on our podcast, and they helped us out with the draft kit. So big respect to you. But here at Press Coverage, we're trying to find the sharp takes, the actionable information, and we're trying to identify edges that can help us in fantasy. Uh, and I think you're a great guest to kind of get us started in this big week six. So welcome back to Press Coverage. Adam, how are you doing today? Hey, uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, you guys are churning out a lot of content this time of year. Uh, I know you yourself are, are recording multiple podcasts a week. Why don't you let everybody know kind of where they can find your work, what you're dropping? Like, what's your your weekly schedule looking like content-wise these days? Yeah, honestly, like, uh, I, I would suggest people who have not heard of us or checked us out, just check out our YouTube channel. Uh, it's just Establish the Run is the YouTube channel. It's totally free. We put a ton of content on there and then also the podcast feed um we put most of the podcast onto youtube but some of them are also only on the audio feed there so yeah if you check out the established to run podcast that's totally free established to run on youtube is totally free you get a sense for what we're about and how we kind of think about uh fantasy and dfs and all that yeah so definitely a bunch of sharp people over at etr and one thing that you recently podcasted about adam that i think is interesting was your new Sims product. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and you know how how fantasy managers can can use that? Yeah, um, we could talk for hours about this. You know, I, Wik I think, Wikipedia version. Wikipedia yeah, version. It, it's it basically, you know, if you can accurately project through very 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 complicated and advanced math and algorithms how players interact with each other in each game and you simulate those games over and over and over again you can get a full distribution of the player's outcome whereas in the past we only had a guy's mean we did not have his median we did not have his true 80th percentile outcome and through a sim you can do all of that and so we have spent the last six months and uh an incredible amount of money, which makes me very uncomfortable. But anyways, and we've also spent an incredible amount of money developing the Sims. And original idea was just to have this for us. We can make our projections better. We can make our content better. It will be, everything will be better. But there has been such a demand for this front-facing in the DFS space, combining that player Sim, correlated player Sim, with a DFS contest Sim, you're able to see what your simulated ROI is in a contest. And this is like, we could talk for hours about this. I think for most people, it's a turnoff and they probably shouldn't be using it. But if you're serious about DFS and eventually, I think this will come to the season long streets, um, won't be as valuable there, but we have used some of the sim stuff for season long start sit decisions in like FFPC, FFPC main event. You know, our opponent has uh, Luke Musgrave. We have, we're down by 12. We have two guys on the Raiders. Who should we be starting out of those two guys? run it through the sim and you get an idea of what you should do right when it's really close. So it's very complicated. I think most people listening to this probably never want to hear about this. I've already turned them off. Uh, but in the next 
two, five, 10 years. I think even in the season long streets, you'll be hearing about Sims. Yeah, I know it's very cool. It's very cutting edge. And I do think there's a lot of correlation between DFS and like you said, just making sharp lineup decisions and also kind of knowing what you're dealing with. I think this sort of product can help you identify a ceiling outcome versus a floor outcome. And I think a lot of times it comes down to what I need out of this position. Maybe a 11 point points out of one guy would help me. Or maybe I need to lean into unpredictability and if a guy might have a five-pointer or he might have a 22-pointer. Um, and I think this sort of tool can definitely help you out. So hat tip to you guys for putting that together. Uh, one question that I've been asking everybody that's come on press coverage and also people that have been come on first-class fantasy is you put a great deal of time and effort and energy into your guys' rankings during the summer into ADP targets and then we get hit with all this information in the early season. Now we're through five weeks of NFL. What player kind of besides Puka Nakua is your biggest like pleasant surprise? Maybe a guy you weren't on this summer or a guy that you didn't quite see having this sort of uh, seasonal outcome. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, there's obviously, obviously uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of them. Although, you know, a lot of the best players have been First round picks. I mean, McCaffrey, Tyreek, Diggs have all been really good. I would say that probably the biggest whiff right now for me, which I'm not even don't even feel that bad about. I took, I would say, I probably did like 80 drafts. I think I took maybe once or twice DJ Moore. Yeah. Uh, maybe once or twice. And it's painful because I took a ton of DJ Moore a ton of times through the years in Carolina because I think DJ Moore is a really good player. And I liked his spot a bunch of times in Carolina. So it's been really frustrating to see him just completely go off these last couple of weeks. I would just say that these last couple of weeks have been against Denver and Washington. And I'm not ready to sit here and say that Justin Fields is going to continue to be able to get the ball. DJ Moore, by the way, in that commander's game, like DJ Moore just kept running the same route over and over again. The commanders never adjusted, never tried to double cover, never tried to do anything to DJ Moore other than just let him go nuts on them. So, you know, I didn't take any DJ Moore. It doesn't look great right now. I'm not ready to sit here and say that it's like the worst thing ever, though, that I don't have DJ Moore. I'm still I'm still a little bearish. Maybe I'm being stubborn there. Yeah, it's actually a it was very polarizing this summer. And I actually heard a pod with you guys where it was Silva taking the pro DJ Moore yes. and my friend Mike Leone giving the reasons not to take him. So I think through five weeks, big, big hat tip to to Elvin, Evan Silva on that, even though, yes. Le, you know, Leone, he runs pure on many other any other decisions yeah. this summer but that was definitely cool to kind of go back and and think about the takes and reasons this happened and, and i'll say you know dj Moore, we can't expect a, a a 40 burger or 50 burger every week but minnesota vegas both coming into chicago and then that road game against the la chargers they have a chance to kind of keep it going your thoughts on on justin fields who's played so well the last two weeks uh, after having some struggles early in the year? Um, I think that he's going to turn back into a pumpkin when he's not facing Denver and the commanders. However, like you said, the schedule coming up is really soft. I do think for fantasy, though, not for real life, like the guy who's capable of throwing for 300 yards and four touchdowns, who's also capable of running for 100 yards in a game, as we saw so many times last year, and just this week, 57 yards. I mean, I was telling people to buy Justin Fields in fantasy, you know, to to not cut. I mean, I got so many questions before these last two weeks. Can I cut Justin Fields? Uh, 
you can't cut guys like this. You know, it's just too valuable in fantasy. My more, my more concern on Justin Fields is can he sustain as an accurate, effective thrower for DJ Moore? And that's, you know, that's a whole other story from fantasy. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, if it, as long as he has some slight tunnel vision for DJ Moore, you know, you could keep up the production. How about a big disappointment for you, a guy that maybe you were bullish on that, that hasn't been doing it, or just a guy that you had higher expectations for and has been very disappointed either in the usage the team is giving them or their overall production? Yeah, I mean, the production stuff, it's clear. I mean, I, I was taking Tony Pollard, you know, as high as eighth, I think was the highest that I took him. Um, and I was taking him a ton when he got like 12th or 13th in any half PPR setting. I was taking Tony Pollard there and I was taking a ton of CD lamb. Also, I, I think that I am not worried whatsoever. They have had the weirdest games. I mean, that first game, they got all defensive touchdowns. They went four to nothing. I mean, no chance for CD lamb, the jets game. They won 30 to 10, obviously a tough matchup for CD dusted Patriots game. They won 38 to three 49ers game. They got completely whitewashed. Let's just have them in like a normal game. And like starting this week at chargers to me is like a great spot to get Pollard and CD lamb going. So those are two guys that I'm high on that. Yeah. Teams don't look great with those guys right now, but I I'm not too worried about either of them. Chargers, Rams, Eagles, Giants, Panthers, Commanders, Seahawks, Eagles are their next games for the Cowboys. Yeah, no, I, I like hearing your your bullish bullish uh, takes on on Dallas because you know like Pollard steamed up in those high stakes drafts. He was steaming up big time in September, uh, and Lamb, of course, was like a lock inside the top fifteen. So uh, we're going to talk about a number of other players and uh, hear about some of the ETR changes in their top one fifty after we hear a word from our sponsors. This episode brought to you by Mojo. Mojo is that player stock market. We love Mojo because we like making lifetime bets on players. You run out the clock on these guys. Mojo just rolled out a brand new fantasy platform. That's right. So now you can build a portfolio of player props. Oh, Jamar Chase over 77.5. Oh, Kadarius Tony under 15.5. Whatever the under is on Kadarius Tony, doesn't matter. You can just stack up the props in your portfolio. And the beauty is, once the Sunday games kick off, it's not over. It's not over until it's over with Mojo because once those games kick off, you can then move in and out of positions. Let's say that you're well ahead of expectations. You can cash out. Let's say you're behind expectations. You're underwater. Well, you can double down. That's what makes Mojo so special, why they're different. Check it out. Go to the App Store. Get the Mojo app and use the promo code UNDERWORLD. The promo code UNDERWORLD. Gets you a 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. So the promo code is UNDERWORLD, and they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Go to Mojo, start building your portfolio, and then during the games, you can be a fantasy day trader. Welcome back to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger, joined by Adam Levitan of Establish the Run. And Adam, it's it's Wednesday, so you know if you're in a a FFPC or NFFC league, you're you're grinding waivers. This is like the big waiver wire week with all these injuries, and then next week we have you know by Mageddon with six teams on by. Uh, who are some of the players that you are adding or you recommended this week? Uh, and specifically, what do you think about 
this situation in Arizona. James Conner goes down. Amari DiMercato, Keontae Ingram sitting on a lot of waiver wires. Is this a situation that you're interested in? I think so. I mean, I'm hearing, in my opinion, way too much Keontae Ingram hype. I mean, I think Keontae Ingram like can't play at all. I mean, he's been so bad in every opportunity he's had in the NFL. And yeah, I get that DiMercato was in, uh, undrafted, was not invited to the combine, but he's played pretty well. I mean, just anyone with two eyes can see it. So I think DiMercato will play on all the pass downs and have a pretty decent share of the base work. And that's a really good role in today's NFL. We've seen Arizona be able to move the football against defenses like Dallas and San Francisco, which honestly really surprised me. So yeah, I'm interested in DiMercato for sure. I think a sneakier one would be Deontay Foreman. I I understand Rashawn Johnson's owned in every league. Deontay Foreman, I understand he's been a healthy scratch the last four weeks. He was really effective for Carolina. I mean, really effective. Bears gave him a decent amount of money. Would not shock me if Roshan actually steps into some version of the Herbert role and Roshan stays in his role. I'm not saying that's the likeliest scenario, but like I don't think that's the craziest thing to think that Foreman can come in and take a ton of base work right away in that Bears backfield. So yeah, those were two that uh, I think is worth are worth bidding on and Foreman should not be expensive in my opinion. And then yeah, the KJ Osborne stuff, you know, I assume KJ Osborne's probably owned in most FFPC uh, type leagues, but I'm just not that excited about a guy, wide receiver, you need to be very good to win. It's not like the running back position where you can just be a guy. And I think KJ Osborne's kind of just a guy. Yeah, no, he definitely he definitely had some weeks last year, but I do think it's going to be difficult, like putting him into your lineup. Might be like a hashtag better in best ball type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. I think he's going to actually go for a lot in the leagues he's available in. Definitely. Um, which also makes it a little bit of uh, tougher to, to lean into. You know, you talked about the Washington-Chicago game. Two guys who've kind of uh, slipped through the cracks in a number of leagues in terms of waiver wire are Curtis Samuel and Logan Thomas. I see those guys available in in several of my leagues still. Uh, Despite Curtis Samuel having a big week last week, um, you know, I think people kind of maybe brush that a little bit to the side. But he's had back-to-back weeks with 18 uh, points per game in PPR. And then Logan Thomas had a really, really good game against Chicago Again, very soft defense, but your thoughts on these two guys uh, moving forward? I think Curtis Samuel's like a good, decent NFL player. What I did not expect was that there was going to be no emphasis from Washington whatsoever to funnel the ball to their best players in Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. First read looks, not there. Overall target share, not there. I mean, the highest target share on this team is Terry McLaurin at 16%. I mean... That's really, really low for a number one wide receiver. And so what you've seen is that the targets, and by the way, there's a ton of targets to go around because this team leads the entire NFL in pass rate over expectation right now. And so you get a ton of targets to tight ends and running backs and wide receiver threes and wide receiver fours. So yeah, I I think that's kind of the way that they want to play it. Logan Thomas, any tight end who's running as many routes as Logan Thomas is and has some juice, even at 32, Logan Thomas has some juice is definitely worth adding, like definitely. Um, I just dropped in a league. I think I dropped Hunter Henry for Logan Thomas uh, in one league. And I loved Hunter Henry before the year. The Patriots situation is so bad. I'm going to get so many more attempts from Sam Howell than I think I will from Mac Jones most weeks. So I made that move. Curtis Samuel 1 is really hard, I think, to click as a start. But in maybe a bloated bye week, you could get away with it, depending on the matchup, I think. 
Is there any under the radar uh, waiver wire guys that that you think might slip through the cracks that people might you know get something out of for very cheap? And I'll throw out two guys that are actually on the injured reserve now that are slightly interesting. You bring up how bad that Patriots offense is. Any hope for Tyquan Thornton just having manufactured touches? Uh, and any hope for Keaton Mitchell, who's still out there in you know some leagues, even though he was kind of a red hot name uh, last week, uh, but he's still on the IR um, with a chance maybe to get some opportunity in Baltimore. I have been stashing just because I had an IR spot in some of these leagues and I didn't have anyone to use it on, so I've been stashing Keaton Mitchell. I'm not optimistic about it because Justice Hill and Gus Edwards I think are fine, and the coaches have some level of trust in them. But yeah, in a deep league, I'd be stashing. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, Taekwon Thornton, they need speed so bad. I mean, so, so, so bad. So it makes sense on paper. When the offseason first started, I thought Taekwon Thornton would actually win the number two job. And so I was drafting him in best ball some. It became very clear that he was getting outplayed at camp by guys like Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster and Tamara Douglas. And that is a major red flag for me on Taekwon Thornton. So I'm not that into him. Um, if you wanted to go super, super deep, Trey Palmer. I haven't heard anything about Mike Evans' hamstring. Anytime Mike Evans misses, though, I think Trey Palmer is at least worth mentioning. This one's going to make people sick. But if anyone can get something out of Chase Claypool, maybe it's Mike McDaniel. Um, and like pieces of this offense I want to have. And so I was pretty aggressive on Jeff Wilson. Um, coming back and, and yeah, you know, Chase Claypool is someone, if I had like a 20 spot bench or whatever, I would consider at least bidding $0 on Claypool and putting him on my, on my bench and hope that Mike McDaniel can find something there. Just convert him to tight end, right? Yeah. Adam, like, like yeah. fulfill the dream. Easy game, right? I mean, Durham yeah. Smythe, they have him running a ton of routes. I guarantee you Chase Claypool could do better at the routes than, than Smythe could. Yeah. 100%. And I, I love the Trey Palmer call. It's funny if I say wide receiver from Nebraska, Trey Palmer, people are like, whatever. But if I say, oh, you know, LSU wide receiver, Trey Palmer, where he was before Nebraska, people start getting a little bit hyped when you hear about that 4-3-3 speed coming out of LSU. Yeah. So, yeah, Trey Palmer's got two touchdowns already. And, um, yeah, like you said, Mike Evans with that hamstring kind of issue, I think he'll be back, but these things can flare up again. So definitely a big, big week for waivers. Again, a ton of bye weeks, a ton of injuries. This is like a uh, the week to kind of sift through everything and make sure you're all set. Um, let's stay with Minnesota. You bring up KJ Osborne. You're not too bullish there. How about the increased opportunities for Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson? How do you see this thing playing out? Yeah. Well, Hawkinson, first of all, I mean, I thought Hawkinson had like the best chance to beat Travis Kelsey this year before the year. Not because, you know, he's some like super, super, superstar like Travis Kelsey is. But because out of all the tight ends, he had a legit chance to lead tight ends and targets. Like he can get more targets than even Travis Kelsey can on a week to week basis. Now you remove Justin Jefferson from that. I mean, my God, we're I, we're not finished with projections yet for this week. But I bet that we have TJ Hawkinson around like nine targets in a game, which is absurd for a tight end. And so, I mean, that's really hard to overcome for other tight ends, that kind of volume from reasonable quarterback play. Addison, I don't think his actual position is going to change. In other words, they'll leave KJ Osborne in that uh, Justin Jefferson role and leave Jordan Addison in his role. Um, but just, I think Jordan Addison will be better at earning targets than 
KJ Osborne will. The guy that I'm most concerned about on Minnesota, who I think is a sell, is Alexander Madison. Saw him start to get some work eaten up by Cam Akers this past week. But just when you don't have Justin Jefferson, you're just in the red zone less, you know, and touchdowns have been important to Alexander Madison. Cam Akers, someone else could start playing on pass downs more and they're going to be behind more without Justin Jefferson. It just, it doesn't feel right without Justin Jefferson on Alexander Madison for me. So that would be the, the big sell that I would have on Minnesota. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. And I saw you tweeting about the increased use for Akers. Uh, you know, it's, there's definitely gonna be opportunities for other players to have some sort of touches and they definitely could change slight philosophy. Uh, Justin Jefferson is just such a huge loss. I think it brings the offense down considerably as well. How about Kirk Cousins? He becomes kind of a different, pl- difficult player to kind of project because the volume will be there, but you have to move him down big time in the rankings. Uh, is that how you're seeing it as well? I mean, yeah, we have Kirk Cousins all the way down to 142nd overall right now. We docked him 48 spots in the rest wow. of the season, top 150. When you don't run... And Kirk Cousins obviously doesn't run. You need insane efficiency to compete with these guys who run and throw. Insane efficiency. And when you don't have Justin Jefferson, your efficiency is going to take a huge hit. So, you know, I'd probably rather have Matthew Stafford right now than Kirk Cousins. You know, Matthew Stafford has Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell. It's like, it, yeah, I. it's not great for Kirk Cousins, I would say. Yeah, and the game flow is going to be a little bit better for 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 LA. Like I, Like you said, I think that the... You know, they get rid of Van Jefferson and then they have Puka Nakua and, and Cooper Cup. You know, the consolidated targets are going to those guys. And you're kind of asking KJ Osborne to fill in that top role. So, yeah, I'm trying to stay away from Kirk Cousins as much as possible. And it felt like found money for the f- first few weeks with his production. So, big disappointment. Uh, this is a, a kind of an interesting question, but what is more disappointing in fantasy football? You know, injuries are always tough to deal with, but is it harder to deal with like, losing the Justin Jefferson, the guy you use the high draft capital on, or is it more difficult when you have a potential league winner like Devon A. Chain, where you feel like you had the nuts because you drafted this guy in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. And in some home leagues, you picked him up off the waiver wire. And now it's like just deflating to see him out of your lineup. What do you think is, is harder for people to take? I think the Justin Jefferson one is harder to take because it's just random, right? Like, I didn't ask for the 1.1. I just got it. If I had gotten any other pick, I wouldn't have even had Justin Jefferson. On the A-chain thing, you know, it's, it's all part of the game. You know, you, you have a great move. You pick someone up or you draft someone that, that turns into a star. And, um, yeah, you know, I feel like you had more control over that. And, therefore, it wouldn't tilt me as bad as, like, God, if I had just gotten the 1.03, I would have had Christian McCaffrey. or, or well, You know what I mean? It's just so random. So, yeah, it, that's so frustrating for people who have uh, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, it's so tilting, and it's it's like the the James Conner injury doesn't even resonate. Like nobody's even talking about it because of these huge impactful ones. And just a you know a general question: Do you prefer your leagues where it's a Tuesday night waivers, like a traditional home, or do you like the Wednesday night waivers? I think there it's a little bit polarizing. I'm a huge proponent for Wednesday night waivers. I mean, Wednesday clearly makes more sense. You have more information. It's just my entire life, I've always played in like these Yahoo leagues with my friends and. And we're, it's always the default is Tuesday night. So I've, I have people who do the uh, the uh, uh, FFBC and the high stakes waivers uh, for us. Um, so it doesn't bother me either way now. But I'm so used to Tuesday. The argument, what would be the argument for Tuesday over Wednesday though? I don't, I don't really see it. Tradition. I yeah. don't know. There's a, there's no good argument for having less information. It's uh, 
it's kind of archaic, but there's always people that are used to one thing and, and don't want to give it up. So shout out to anyone with a home league with the opportunity to set it up for Wednesday, set it up for Wednesday night. Yeah. Listen to Adam Levitan, listen to everybody. <laughs> uh, one player that we were really, really excited about last week in terms of the increased usage and also the big time production, incredible production from Brees Hall. Do you think we're back here? His production last week was more than he had in the previous three weeks. Um, broke off the big run, also caught a couple of passes. It's n- nothing but more kind of better vibes from the Jets the last two weeks offensively. H- how confident can we be in Brees Hall moving forward? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's not the performance of Brees Hall, which I think was expected. The production on a per-play basis was expected when you play the Denver Broncos. I thought the big change was Dalvin Cook, they realized, sucks. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and it was going to take them time, I think, to realize that. It takes everybody every time there's a running back out there a veteran running back that was once really good everybody wants to pile into this guy i mean it just never makes it it rarely if ever works out and i think the jets are finally seeing that now dalvin cook only played 10 snaps in this game Brees hall set his season high by a mile 71 percent of the running back opportunities and so i see no reason that will change what i'm concerned about changing for Brees hall is that when you're not playing denver zach wilson can look really, really, really bad and totally torpedo this offense. Michael Carter's still playing on pass downs, which is a concern. Not great either. But yeah, things are looking up for Brees. Zach Wilson's been better, but he's going to have some floor games too because Zach is just going to face plant from time to time. Big time tilting game for a lot of Brees Hall managers this week against Philadelphia. Uh, That's going to be a game that's kind of like, hey, where we're at, because this is going to be a real defense with guys who can affect the game and a chance for Zach Wilson to kind of go back to old Zach Wilson. So yeah. definitely a, definitely a, a fun one this week. How about the Miami backfield, Adam? You, we've we had the the loss of a chain. Raheem Mostert has played very well. Obviously, he takes uh, the next step up. But what are your thoughts on Jeff Wilson? This is a guy that I was very very high on in my waiver wire column. Uh, I think that this could be a real opportunity for him. He had nine weeks last year of RB2 or better performance and now an opportunity. Do you see these things this way? So I, I think the worst case scenario for uh, Jeff Wilson is that they see him as Raheem Mostert's direct backup and Salvin Ahmed or Chris Brooks is uh, Devon Achain directs backup, if that makes sense. That is not how they played in the past though. So I do not think that is likely. I, I think that Kyle Shanahan, going back to the San Francisco days, when Mike McDaniel was there, like Jeff Wilson, Mike McDaniel brings him to... Miami in Jeff Wilson. And so I thought he played pretty well last year. It was not that big a difference between him and Moster. Mostert's obviously way, way, way faster and more explosive. So yeah, I, I think we'll likely have Ahmed or Brooks for some work in this game, assuming Jeff Wilson's activated, but most of the work will go to Mostert and Jeff Wilson. And, you know, I'm not going to overthink this. Like anyone getting touches in this offense is going to be very productive. So you know, I don't think people need to worry about how effective Jeff Wilson will be. And how would you, if you're in a league with, let's say, Foreman, Mercado, and Jeff Wilson, are you going Jeff Wilson ahead of those guys, or are you going with the potential for a greater opportunity and a lesser offense with the Foreman and Mercados? I think that I would have Wilson one, Mercado two, and then a teardrop down to Foreman third. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm Wilson, Wilson, pretty easy one for me. Like you said, you want guys in that offense. Um, you know, they got it figured out over in Miami. 
How about Jalen Waddle, Adam? This has uh, been a kind of a slow start for him. Any concerns there, or, or do you see him turning it around and, and providing us those smash games that we're used to getting some some weak-winning performances from Jalen Waddle for the first two years in his career and yeah. kind of just waiting around this year? Yeah, disappointing. I, I was taking Jalen Waddle a ton, I would say, when he got to me at like 23, 22 overall, something like that. I was taking Jalen Waddle there almost every time. So yeah, I'm frustrated for sure. I thought last week was the best usage for Jalen Waddle all year. Actually saw more targets than Tyreek Hill had one touchdown, had another touchdown called back by penalty. I believe Jalen Waddle actually led um, all wide receivers last week and expected fantasy points. So I think it's coming for Jalen Waddle. Obviously he's going to get overshadowed by Tyreek Hill. Like when Tyreek Hill scores 80 yard touchdowns and Raheem Mostert and Devon A. Chain score 80 yard touchdowns, you don't get enough plays off. You don't get enough chances off, you know? And so these guys being extremely efficient is worse for everyone else, obviously. So yeah, I'd be willing to trade for Jalen Waddle though. Like I'm not worried. I don't see a huge difference from last year to this year in Jalen Waddle. Derrick Henry sitting around at at running back 15 on the year, but it's been weird scoring. He's had like two very good weeks and then three weeks, kind of nothing. And he's also been out snapped by Tajay Spears in multiple weeks this past week he actually uh the touches were 16 to 11 uh in Henry's favor but it's a little closer than Derrick Henry managers would want to see yeah your thoughts on kind of this backfield moving forward I think this was the scariest game for Derrick Henry so far because you could explain away some of these other games where Tajay Spears played a ton by hey they were winning by a ton or they were losing by a ton this game was close throughout between the Titans and the Colts and like you said Tajay Spears still was right there with Derrick Henry in usage. In the past, these are games that Derrick Henry would have gotten 25, 30 touches in a game. And I guess they just don't think that they want to do that anymore. And by the way, Spears is playing really, really well, despite all the ACL, no ACL stuff. Like, he looks really, really good. So I have major concerns on Derrick Henry right now. When they play well, when the Titans play well, and they win games by like 10, 20 points, Derrick Henry's still going to have big games. But... Yeah, I think I'd rather have Brees Hall, Dave Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, maybe Mostert than Derrick Henry right now. And uh, yeah, you know, hopefully you guys had a fade on him before the year. Yeah, it's not Jalen Warren, Najee Harris level, but it's kind of like this could be the next one where we get a few more weeks in the season and this is the next like Pollard, Zeke, uh, Warren, Harris, Eckler, Gordon type situation where it's like the we want more touches for the dynamic younger back who can catch the ball uh so yeah it's definitely tilting for Derrick Henry uh managers I don't really have any Derrick Henry but it's definitely a lot of people were taking him uh, especially at the end of the summer so you know tough one to watch guys tough one to watch uh you guys do a great job with continually changing your top 150 and then you'll podcast about it and do, you know, change logs and all that. It's very easy to take in. Uh, why don't you talk about a couple players that that really rose up? And I'll start out. Two guys that I saw really rise up your rankings were Jamar Chase and Brandon Ayuk. Your thoughts on these guys, just how good they look and the roles they have in their offenses. Well, yeah, I mean, we probably shouldn't have brought Jamar Chase down, right? But we brought him down due to concerns that Joe Burrow's calf thing was so bad that this has to be baked into Jamar Chase. I think Joe Burrow put a lot of those questions about his calf to bed against Arizona. He had like a 10 yard run. He like, 
you know, pushed off his back leg and threw the ball really far. There. I think it was the first play of the second half or something like that. And so, yeah, after seeing that, we had to put Jamar Chase back up. I, you know, yeah, it was our fault for bringing him down, I guess is the point on uh, Jamar Chase and the Joe Burrow stuff when we shouldn't have. On Brandon Ayuk, I mean, dude is just awesome. so good. So much of a better route runner than Debo Samuel. And I think that he vibes with Brock Purdy a little bit better than Debo Samuel does. That goes back to last year, too, with a lot of the first look stuff. And a lot of the usage stuff has been Ayuk over Debo. And so, yeah, they're just playing at such a high level right now. I feel pretty good. Uh, feel pretty good about that one. The other guy that uh, we moved up a ton, I mentioned Brees. I mentioned David Montgomery. Uh, DeAndre Swift is one that we moved up 16 spots. They've completely decided they're not going to use Rashad Penny and Boston Scott. And they've decided that DeAndre Swift's going to be their feature back. I mean, I, DeAndre Swift for 20 touches a game. All I've ever wanted throughout DeAndre Swift's career is 20 touches a game. Finally gets it in Philly. Like, I could, we have him, where do we have him? We have him uh, 36th overall. Before the end of the year, it would not shock me if DeAndre Swift is into the 20s. Like, this is a really good role on an incredible offense. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about DeAndre Swift. Yeah, and you watch the way he plays, and it's kind of like, why did Detroit make this move? Yeah. If they're going to draft Gibbs and, and yeah. not use him, they could have just kept Swift. So, yeah, he looks fantastic. Uh, one other, let, you know, you mentioned Devon. Let's talk about Devonta Smith and Chris Olave just a little bit. Yeah. Because their production has not really been there. And those were guys that steamed up big time during the summer. Certainly, Devonta Smith earned it last year, top eight wide receiver season in Philly. Chris Olave was more of the, the the summer riser, the new opportunity guy. Your thoughts on these guys and their production moving forward? I, I like to close my eyes and just bet on talent and wide receiver. And I think these guys are are awesome, awesome, awesome talents. Like what Chris Olave did as a rookie, um, not many guys do. And so like trending towards year two, I think it's still awesome for Chris Olave. The concerns right now are Derek Carr's shoulder, Whatever toe thing is going on with Olave doesn't seem like it's major, but whatever. And maybe a bigger concern, Michael Thomas playing well and seeing a lot of targets. And Alva Kamara coming back and seeing a ton of targets. You know, only three this past week, but 14 the week before. And that stuff is obviously not great for Chris Olave. I still think I, I, you know, I want to have Chris Olave on my team. I'm not saying I'd go out and break the bank for him. We have him down to 28th overall in the rankings, you know. But uh, if somebody's selling low on Chris Olave, I'd be a buyer. Devontae Smith stuff I looked at this week usage, role, where he's getting the ball. Everything looks the same as last year. The difference is that he's lost five percentage points in target share to A.J. Brown, and that's a ton. I mean, he's down to 20%. A.J. Brown's up at 26% or something like that. A lot of stuff is first look to A.J. Brown and not Devontae Smith. I'm not saying that's going to continue. Last year, we saw they were almost dead even in target share for the entire year. A.J. Brown, though, I think is probably a better player, and so maybe it makes sense. You know, Maybe it makes sense that they're going more AJ Brown now. So I have a little bit of concern on Devontae Smith, but as we saw with Goddard, Goddard was awful for the first four weeks. They decided to get him going in this game. It was clear. I mean, they were first reading to Dallas Goddard a ton and Goddard went off. So maybe they'll do that with Devontae Smith coming up. Yeah, it's definitely tilting, especially with a new offensive coordinator. When you see, you know, the alpha wide receiver being used more heavily, the secondary wide receiver takes a step back. So yeah, Devonta Smith's definitely pivoting. I mean, definitely tilting and I love your take about Dallas Goddard because it seemed like it was like a 
squeaky wheel gets the grease. There was a yeah. lot of criticism in the Philadelphia media about Goddard not having yak opportunities, and and they went to him like right away. It was yeah. the first drive was Dallas Goddard drive. You had to yeah. love it. He had like um, four catches on the first drive, and yeah. who's to say the next week they don't decide Devontae Smith should have four catches on the first drive? You know? Yeah, no, one hundred percent. One wide receiver that I think could be rising up your top one hundred and fifty if we dis- if we talked a month from now. I think Christian Watson is heading heading back to maybe having some big games. They have the bye week this week. What are your thoughts about Watson uh, and just you know some of the positives that you're starting to see there? Yeah, I mean, he had a good role this past week. You know, I, I don't think the opportunity is going to be a question. He's their number one wide receiver. He tied for the team league with seven targets in that game. His eight hot was 26 yards down the field. Average depth of target for Christian Watson, 26 yards down the field in that game. When you have an ADOT like that, when you have an inconsistent quarterback in Jordan Love, who's aggressive but inconsistent, you're going to have some huge games. And if not for the horse collar tackle, it would have been a huge game for Christian Watson. But you're also going to have some really bad games. So people are going to get frustrated, I think, with Christian Watson. I don't think it's going to be a very um, balanced um, kind of trajectory for Christian Watson here. He's going to have some huge games and some bad games. I think we need to try to stay even with it you know we have him 47th overall right now that strikes me as a really good ranking no matter what happens this week even if he catches two balls for 24 yards you know i still wouldn't want to drop him because i think next week four catches for 150 and two touchdowns is is well within the range yeah i think he's the kind of guy that you just leave in your lineup and you set it and forget it especially in points league it's like you cannot overthink christian watson the boom weeks will come and it's one of the most tilting things ever when you have Watson on a Monday night football game and he gets the horse collar tackle to take away those yeah. points from you, that's just, it was a tough sight to see. Do you have any hope for Jackson Smith and Jigba and maybe a little, little more usage for Quentin Johnston? Both of these guys are first round wide receivers that have disappointed in the early season, especially JSN who schemed up big time in redraft. But they both had their bye week. And a lot of times we see some self-scouting during bye weeks where guys' roles can change. Hope for for role changes, maybe some increased usage for either of these guys? I mean, we have Quentin Johnston ahead of, of JSN by a couple rounds right now. And I feel pretty good about that because Seahawks are, I believe, 26th in three wide receiver personnel. And yeah, you could say maybe they'll change that. Uh, that would be wish casting to me. I, I don't think that they're going to change that even as the offensive line gets healthier. So yeah, I mean, when you only play in three wide receiver sets, but your team doesn't run very many three wide receiver sets. And when you're out there, you're competing with for targets with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And your average of the target is like two yards for JSN. It's just really, really hard. Now I want to keep JSN on my team because if something were to happen to DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, I think JSN would go off, like go off. So I'm trying to keep JSN on my team. I don't want to start him right now. Quentin Johnston, he's competing for targets with some very good players like Austin Eckler will be back. And Keenan Allen is, is obviously playing at a really high level. But if he can beat out Josh Palmer for that number two role, I don't think that's crazy at yeah. all. And I don't think it's crazy to think that coming out of the bye, you can start scheming stuff to get Quentin Johnston on the move. He's so good in yak um, type stuff. So yeah, I, I like having Quentin Johnston. I'd be okay even starting Quentin Johnston if I had to. Jason is more of a bench staff for me. Yeah, for me, it's both of these guys. It's it's very tilting when you come out of the bye week. I want to see something something different. And like you said, it's the the Quentin Johnson one. I think is almost more tilting 
because the role should be there. They have a big game. Uh, you know, you got the Kellen Moore Bowl, like you've alluded to. So uh, <laughs> why don't we talk about that? Give us a game that you're excited about this weekend, the game that, that you're most excited about on the NFL slate this weekend, Adam. Yeah, I mean, I think Kellen Moore Bowl is super interesting. I, I don't know why exactly Dallas got rid of Kellen Moore, but they did. Um, and I think Kellen Moore's done a pretty good job so far with the Chargers, whereas the Cowboys have been so up and down and people are calling for Dak's head and everything. And and yeah, it hasn't been pretty. So I think it's a really interesting game. I think it'll be a high, despite Dallas' defense, I think it'll be a really high scoring game too. Like I think that Kellen Moore will have them ready to put up points on this Dallas defense. So yeah, I believe that's an Island game too, maybe Monday night or something like that. So yeah, it should be a really good one. Yeah, no, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the Bucks. Three and one Bucks coming out of a bye hosting Detroit. Baker Mayfield uh, having this like out of nowhere production. That game really excites me a lot. And then I'm interested in Cincinnati, Seattle with Seattle coming off of their bye week. You know, we saw Cincinnati, like you talked about, Joe Burrow looked a lot better. It's like a big tilting game because Cincinnati's two and three. But now the division is kind of there for them with, uh, you know, Baltimore dropped to three and two. And it's it's definitely an interesting one. Adam, this was awesome again. Thanks for coming back on. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find your work once again and what you have coming out next? Yeah. Uh, if you're serious about fantasy, you should be on Twitter at Adam Levitan, all one word. And like I said, if you're watching this on YouTube, just check out the Establish the Run channel on YouTube. If you're listening on iTunes or whatever, check out the Establish the Run uh, iTunes feed podcast feed and those are all free awesome well tune in tomorrow on thursday at 3 30 uh first class fantasy john daigle of four for four will be joining us and then stick with us at press coverage all season long got a lot of awesome guests lined up we're going to try our do our best to help you win a lot of money and win some titles this season have a great day Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.